Is your prayer to think the way God wants you to think and to act the way God would have you act? And that's really important. Would you close that door slightly? So, yeah, thank you. Romans 12, 2 is a verse that I think every believer needs to know, and they need to know it well. And it says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. What does that mean? What does transformed mean? Change. How, how completely changed? Completely. And so it would be a lie if we couldn't be completely changed, correct? So evidently God has a plan for us and he wants to completely change us. All right. And so we can actually be changed. Remember the children of Israel, they were in the wilderness for 40 years. And despite the fact that God had a promise for them and a promised land, they wandered for a long time. And I think it's really sad that a lot of us Christians are wandering. We can go to all the seminars, we can read all the books, we can read all of our pamphlets, we can go to camp meeting, we can go to retreats, we can go to all kinds of things, and we can actually not be changed. Can you imagine that? And I think that I believe, oh, and you can listen to audio verse and podcasts and all that. I believe that that's because they were focusing on the wrong thing. If it wasn't for those Egyptians, if it wasn't for the heat, if it wasn't for the fact that we're not eating more than manna, they were always focusing on the wrong thing. If I, I, I mean, maybe today we could say if I was married or if I wasn't married to the person that I am married to or if my kids weren't a problem or what, like we always have these ifs, but I really believe that our attitude impacts our life and going to pick these up. Our spiritual life is impacted by what? Yes. People don't recognize this. Have you ever had a mother who says, what were you thinking? And they go, I don't know. Right? I don't know. I don't know. Well, the truth is, they don't know what they're thinking because they're not aware. We need to be more aware of what we're thinking. Because it, when we think a certain thing, what? It impacts our feelings. It comes out in our behavior. And it impacts our spiritual life. When our spiritual life is not going well, think about what you're thinking. Does that sound like a dorky phrase? But we need to think about what we're thinking. And we need to exercise what we're thinking. Now, what is apathy? I don't care. It's too tiring. I just want to relax. I just want to chill out. I don't want to do anything. And when we're that way is when the devil will come in with a force. And so we need to be very careful. Now I'm going to go over a few of the things that we've already gone over this week, but I also want to bring in some other things that we just didn't get to. That's what I said. We really needed a few more hours of this. Sometimes we're very critical of people. You ever been critical? Really? Some of you are so nice. So it's being critical. Could, could God have given us a personality to be critical? Yeah? How could it benefit us to be critical? If I have an eye for what? 
decorating. Wouldn't that be nice to have a critical eye for that? What if I'm a really good organizer and I think, you know, we need to organize this, this, and this. We need to get this all in the row. And then and there's all these other people going, cool, I think that's a great idea. Like, wouldn't that be helpful? It does seem negative, but it could be constructive, couldn't it? But when does it get negative? I remember in one of my churches, somebody said, I don't know why people don't act like me. We get a lot more done. I don't want to say who said that. Yeah. I have a lot to learn, you know. Yeah. How about, you know, why is it that they always do this and do that? And I don't really like the way the pastor, he's not feeding me, blah, 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 blah. Like, we can get really critical. You know, are you... You know, isn't it okay to observe people and notice things? Man, I can't, I'm not really looking at anyone, okay? I can't believe he's wearing a toupee. Does he think that's natural? Why is that woman with that man? She, they don't look like they really match up, do they? Wow, she's got a lot of wrinkles now, doesn't she? Wow. Hmm. Isn't that that other woman that was obnoxious in our neighborhood the other day? Yeah. I think I heard her yelling at the kids over by the trailers. Any of you ever do that? Oh, it's just me? Okay. I saw that look, that apathetic look. No, not me, right? Yeah. And when we're critical and it's not submitted to Christ, we are out there for ourselves, aren't we? We're demeaning. What is really a critical person? What are they thinking? I'm better than you, right? You didn't do it my way, so therefore you're not very good at it. There was a woman that was at a church that I went to. Uh, It was a new church that we had just come to. And I was really excited to see her because you know how you walk into a new church and you don't really know anybody? And so I was so excited to see her. And this woman that, um, this, this girl was the daughter of, some, of a woman that I knew really well who had been very critical at our other church. But anyway, I was so happy to see her because she was a, a faith. And so then this person came up to me and I said, how are you doing? She said, well, you know, I, I said, I didn't know you went to this church. And she said, well, I don't know why we go to this church. You know, the kids are always running around the church, and people never clean. Looked like the doors here. They got fingerprints all over. When we cleaned as a family, we always got those fingerprints off. And she said, you know, potlucks here are really bad and everything. We're starting to think about another church. And I thought, she acts just like her mother. <laughs> Isn't that an issue, is that whatever we do, critical or anger or whatever, we pass it on in our generations? Isn't that another thing that we have to be really careful about, what we think and how we act? Criticism is destructive. How about being picky icky? Some of us have personalities that are very black and white. So... Somebody, a new member came to our family, and she, um, I gave her this really lovely graduation gift. I thought I'd be so nice. 
And I picked it out, and it was so perfect for her. And I thought it was so special, and I sent it to her because, you know, we weren't there at the graduation, and I wanted her to really enjoy it. And so then I waited for my thank you note. And I waited. I'll still be waiting. I never got that thank you note. And so then I said to somebody, the family member of this person, so did they ever get that? Oh, yes, they really enjoyed it. Well, that's nice. You ever felt that way? Mm-hmm, that's nice. What's wrong with my attitude? And, yeah, you know what? In a perfect world, we probably would have somebody who thanked us for it. But if we only do things so we get a pat on the back, we will always be miserable. There is an article that you can Google. I'm going to talk, tell you about it a little later, but it's about how to be miserable. And one of them is to always expect people to praise you for things. Many of the things we're doing for God, right? We're really not doing them for that person. And remember Martha and Mary? Who was, who was the one that was having a problem? Yeah, Martha was the cook, etc. She wanted some help, and Mary was at the feet of Jesus. And I would assume that Martha had been so busy with the preparation that she didn't get filled that morning with Jesus, right? And so what she was doing was making her angry. She was probably slamming that, those dishes around in the kitchen and slamming the door, and then she went out and said to Jesus, why is she out here when she should be helping me in the kitchen? You ever felt that way? When we are emptied and we don't have God in our hearts, we start to get really irritated and bitter with people. All right, selfishness. We're talking about some of our thinking and our it's reflecting a selfishness. And when how did you like the stinking thinking that that you uh, had a list of? Did you see that kind of thinking, the, the ones that are illogical? Much of that is selfishness. We want things to be a certain way, and when we set ourselves up an expectation like that, we will always be disappointed. There was a beggar that was standing on the corner, and he was talking to his friends, and he said to his friends, he said, he said, you know, if I only had $100, I would never complain or even ask for any more money. And a businessman was walking by. And he said, sir, what did I hear you say? He said, oh, I said, if I had $100, I probably wouldn't do this anymore. And I, 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 I just wouldn't even need anything. I'd just be really satisfied. And so the man said, well, this is your special day. And he took $100 out of his wallet, and he gave it to the man. And as he walked away, he heard the, the beggar say to his friends, I should have asked him for $200. <laughs> Because we're really never satisfied, are we? Who can satisfy our hunger? Yeah. We know that. And then Satan keeps telling us, you know, you expect better. You, you deserve better. You're entitled. You know, you're special. People don't seem to treat you the way they should. And we don't want to entertain that. How many of you know the song, Satan is a liar and a snake in the grass. You know that one? Humble me so I can do thy will. He's always in some Christian's path, right? Isn't that true? 
The Bible says that we are to demolish every argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. 2 Corinthians, I want you to say this with me. We are to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Can you say that? We are to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Is that true? That is 2 Corinthians 10.5. 1 John 4.4, I remind you that it is written, He that is within me is greater than he that is in the world. So when we have Christ filling our hearts, we will not struggle with our thinking the way that we are struggling, but we also have to keep inviting him and submitting to his will. Here's a really great quote, Steps to Christ. 126.1. God wants us to be happy and peaceful. Can you tell us what God wants? God wants us to be what? But happiness that comes from being selfish soon passes away. Did you hear that? It doesn't last. This happiness leaves a person lonely and filled with sorrow. We talked the other day about somebody who wanted to get decorate something and they said it over and over and then when they got it decorated they go I'm really still not happy because it's empty it's like no big deal there is real oh I'm sorry I got to read one more this happiness leaves a person lonely and filled with sorrow so it's just an emptiness but there is real lasting joy in the service of God we may miss some of the pleasures in this world but we can be happy as we think of the joys we will have in heaven. Anybody remember the rope? What did we learn about the rope? We have a short time, and one day we will get the rewards, but it may not be on this earth. Okay, I told you there was a popular article in Google. It says, How to be miserable. You can look it up. How to be miserable. And it's regarded some, some, there's some research on it. Here it is. You ready? Think about yourself. Think about what you want. Talk about yourself to everybody. Talk about your feelings and your opinions all the time. Expect everyone to appreciate all that you do and to thank you. Take personally what people say. Practice being jealous and envious. Trust nobody but yourself. Demand that everyone agree with you. Be overly sensitive about people's comments. Sulk when you don't get your way. Don't let anyone forget a service that you rendered. Shirk your duties whenever you can and do as little as possible for others. So what do you learn from that? What is the, yes, I was going to say, when you boil it all down, it's being selfish, isn't it? Now I see some ladies standing, but I think there's some chairs right there in the middle. And there's one, okay, up front. By the way, did any of you have any problems last year at this time? Did you have some problems that you were facing? Life changes, doesn't it? Things go by. Can you remember all the problems and issues that you were facing? 
So why do we get ourselves in such a knot when they pass away? There are things that we have issues with, but everything starts to die down, right, and moves forward. Some things get worse, but most times things slow down. We need to be recognizing that. And what do we do when we are upset about something? What should be our first thing that we need to do? Pray to God. Because when we have a problem, we're exercising our faith. And here's a great, um, a great quote also, and I don't know which book it would be. Any of our knowledgeable people? HS132. This is from Ellen White. Anybody know? Home? Hel oh, yes, Helen Schrenzel. I'm sure that's who it is. That would be her. Yeah. Okay. It says, it is difficult to exercise living faith when we are in darkness and discouragement. Would you agree? But this is the very time we should exercise our faith. But, says one, I don't feel like at such times I should be praying in faith. Well then, will you allow Satan to gain the victory simply because you do not feel like resisting him? When he, we're talking about Satan, sees that you have the greatest need of divine aid, he will try the hardest at that time to beat you back from God. If he can keep you away from the source of strength, he knows that you will walk in darkness. Discouraging, huh? We are to persevere in prayer even when we don't feel like it because we will gain victory and we will develop our faith. Our faith has to be exercised. I'm sorry? Oh, thank you very much, Miss Holly. I appreciate that. Okay, another thing that I wanted to say is that some people look at some um, skills that are out in the world to help us with our thinking. And one of those is transcendental meditation and yoga. And many times they say, empty your minds. Let me tell you that your minds are a warehouse and Satan wants to fill them. As soon as you empty it, he's got a U-Haul and he's pushing stuff in. I think it's much better when we try to memorize or have Bible verses on hand and we sit there and we think about them. Do you remember in here, we talked about when we have a Bible verse, what is it that we are thinking? We're thinking the Bible verse. What are we feeling? Often we have good feelings when we think about the promises of God. What is the behavior? We want to share it. We feel hopeful and encouraged. And it does impact our spiritual life in a healthy way. Correct? So remember that sometimes the things of the world are not the best. And here's another thing. By the way, TV, radio, um, games, etc. can fill your minds with things that are traumatizing and push God out. But this is what Philippians 4, 8 says, and I know that you know it. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is what? True, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what are we told? Think on these things. Isn't it wonderful to think about good things? And what happens when we think about good things? How do we 
Yeah. You heard about the feel-good theology out there? The Bible is a feel-good thing, isn't it? And when we are contemplating the good things of God, what is our behavior? Yep. What are we more likely to do in our, in our lives? Think of others and be others-oriented. Be interested. When you're having a bad mood, think about what you're thinking. And so we aren't going to be saved by our acts. We're going to be saved by our submission to God. But how does it impact our spiritual life when we're thinking about good things? It strengthens our spiritual life, doesn't it? Okay. Any of you had an attitude, have somebody you're around that has a bad attitude? A boss? A parent? Did you ever have somebody who says, we got to wait until they're in a good and good mood before we can approach them? Have you ever had that? Do you think that Christians should be in a bad mood? Is that a, is that a short lapse? Because what causes the mood? What causes the feeling? The thoughts. What are people usually thinking when they're in a bad mood? It's not fair. It's not right. I hate this job. This, this is just not the right thing to do. People aren't paying me enough. My dad used to talk in his sleep on Friday night after he put down the review. He, he'd put down the review and he'd go, I, by the, my, my dad was a car dealer and a, you know, kind of an entrepreneur. And he'd go, that's where all my money goes. And we'd go, where does your money? Because he would talk. He'd go, those ministers. He was wrong. I'm married to one. Um, <laughs> those ministers, they're taking all my money. And we'd say, well, maybe you should become a minister. And he'd go, I'm going to starting Monday. <laughs> we'd just keep it going. And then we'd say, oh, we're going to... You know, what should we call you? Call me Father So-and-so. And we go, oh, wrong religion, okay. But I guess, you know, you aren't that aware when you're half asleep. But anyway, yeah. So if we have a bad attitude, do you think God expects us to move forward and to change that when we're aware of it? Should people be afraid to approach us because we have a bad attitude? Who do we represent? So we have a responsibility to do something about it. And so what do we need to do? Pray. Can you all put your name? You need to do this, right? Okay. And we need to watch our mouths and what we say to people. Should we just act on our feelings, by the way? What, does, what happens? Have you ever, I mean, I have to tell you, did you ever feel like slapping someone? Really, none of you felt that way? Oh, good, a teacher admitted that. Remember on Sound of Music? Remember how he used to blow the whistle and just line the kids up? Was it the Three Stooges that would just slap them all along down the line? What happens if you slap children, whether they're your own or not? It is not a good thing. And most of us know that we shouldn't act on that, right? Isn't that interesting? 
We can stop our actions unless somebody's not watching. Sometimes then we're really bad. Even people who abuse a spouse, as soon as the officer comes to the door, hello, Mr. Officer, how can I help you? It's amazing how we can get control over that. But we really need to do the best, which is to change what? And have you ever gotten yourself really worked up? Oh, I've gotten myself worked up. Everybody thinks that I'm, I'm so easygoing, right? I'm not that easygoing. Because I have that choleric personality, too. I'm very driven. And I notice that the ones that I love to drive are those easygoing people. I'm just like, I want to tell them what to do and plan their whole lives for them. <laughs> Once there was a little boy, and he had a bad temper. And his dad gave him a bag of nails, and he told him, I want you to put those in the fence. I want you to hammer each of those in the back of the fence. So the boy drove in those nails. There were 37 nails in his bag. And so he hammered and hammered and hammered. So then the boy had a temper problem, and his dad was trying to give him an illustration. So then when he was done, he told his dad he was done. Could he go out and play now? No, his dad said, I want you to now remove all those nails from the back of the fence. And the kid went, oh. And then the boy said to his dad, I did what you told me to do. And his father took him by the hand and led him to the fence. And he said, you did well, but look at all the holes in the fence. He said, well, you told me to do that. He said, yes, and I wanted to illustrate. He said, no matter what you do, when you are angry at people, you may be able to remove what you've done, but you still leave a scar. And that's an illustration for all of us. And he said to his dad, I hope you can forgive me. And his dad said, of course I have. But remember, that doesn't matter what you do, whenever you put a knife into somebody's heart, there's always damage. We can't just let loose and do what we want. People tell me all the time, you know, in counseling, I let her have it. I told her just how I felt. And I said, and do you feel better? They might have at that moment. But afterwards, they have to feel guilty, right? Because if they're Christians, which I see mostly Christians, the Lord's working on their heart. And then there's a problem. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong. Oh, by the way, most of the time, the reason that we're critical of people is because we're fearful. And it says, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread, for it is the Lord who goes... Before you, he will not leave you or forsake you. So when you hear about the Lord, the Lord not leaving you or forsaking you, sorry, <laughs> how does that make you feel? And it says it will give you courage. He wants you to be courageous. So when you're thinking that, do you think you have more of an ability to be courageous? Yeah. And when you know that the Lord is taking care of you, and that he's going before you, and that he will never forsake you. How does that impact your spiritual life? Do you see why I say people who are not getting their thinking together are having struggles in their spiritual life? They're not going any farther. We need to make sure that we are being impacted by what God wants to tell us in his word. Have any of you ever gotten on a flight and it was delayed? Does that get under your skin? Yes, I, I was on a flight, and it was very foggy, and there was a man who was so mad, he told the lady at the desk, 
And then he told the stewardess, and then he told the pilot. He was so irritated. And the pilot kept saying, well, you know, we need to have everybody safe. And he said, but I have a schedule. And I kept thinking, I don't want to get on the plane if he gets manipulated by this man because I don't want to arrive, you know, die just because this man had a schedule, right? But isn't it amazing how we can really get ourselves keyed up? And isn't that a good illustration that I don't like to be out of control? That's all about fear. And when we are wanting to be in control, which most of us are, we have more stress and anxiety. So we have to recognize that God is in the driver's seat and we need to let him take it over for us. When we're not in control, we have more anxiety and stress. When you take a stress test, they want to know, if, have you had any adjustments or changes in your life? That's what they're checking. Because when we're out of control is when we feel more stress. Here's a secret, by the way. You can't control anything yourself. You think you can. You can make a, an attempt, but you really can't. Have you ever heard the truth, I mean, the, the saying, it is what it is? Isn't that the truth? It is what it is? Many of us don't accept that. Have you noticed it? We want it our way. We have no power. Have you heard the other saying about let go and let God? Doesn't that make you nervous just thinking about it? But who is more capable than any of us? We talked about Google Earth and how you know we start getting so focused on our little piece of Earth right in front of us and what we can do to control it. And yet God is in the galaxies and knows the beginning from the end, and, and yet we think that we can steer our lives in a much better way. Um, Jesus was on this earth and he was bullied. Would you agree? Bullied by so many people. And yet there's that song that says, and he never said a mumbling word. When we talk about people, that's another thing that we bring stress on. And we really need to be careful because we have to keep saying, I can do all things through Jesus. I am only as good as Jesus makes me. Jesus is the one who is, who is my strength. He's the one who is my talent. He's the one who, is, he, who, who drives me. He's the one who helps me walk each day. He is the one. So we need to do it. Okay, so then another thing I wanted to talk to. You see, this is like the potluck. This is like all the things we didn't get to talk. How about why me? What's wrong with why me? Okay, when I have a why me thought, what kind of feelings do I have? Self-pity. Did you like that one, the self-pity? Did you hear me telling you about the ants in my trailer? Did you think I had a little self-pity? I still have self-pity. I have to still work on it, especially when one bites me. All right, so when we are saying why me, what's my feeling? How about anger? Irritation? Frustration? Okay, when you have those feelings, how could it be transferred into a behavior? I might lash out at somebody, I might say something wrong, I might be impatient. What? Shut down. Shut down. It could be the opposite. Yeah, paralyzed. Clam up. 
Boy, sometimes I should clam up rather than let loose, right? Yeah. And when I'm feeling really sorry for myself, I can get really mad at God. Have you ever thought of that? You know, I told you about my client that came in just because she has some irritations in her life, and she says, why does God hate me? And so sometimes when we feel sorry for ourselves, we think that God is really far and he doesn't really care about us. But we really need to take those thoughts captive. I was telling you the other day, somebody was teasing me because my hair was fuzzy in the rain. When we do the why me, we need to think about there's somebody out there with chemo who doesn't have any hair. I was just thinking about my husband who doesn't have much hair. No. Okay. When my feet are tired, there's people who don't have any feet, right? Yeah. Um... When we don't sleep in bed, we can be glad that we're not in the hospital where it's noisy or in a nursing home where we have to be turned before we can sleep. When we feel irritated, we need to think about people who haven't had food for days. When we feel upset at our car repairs, we should be glad we have a car and that we're not at the bus station on a freezing morning. There's just so much. And by the way, every night I want you to know that you can turn all of your worries over to God because he's going to be up all night and he can fix and work on those things. Isn't that a nice feeling? How many of you try to take them back from him every night and you want to sit there and play with them and think about them and think about how he's not working on things because you have a better idea? Isn't that amazing? If you want to, one of the things that I tell people who are having a lot of sleeping problems because they've got a lot of things going on in their mind is that you get a notebook and you write down what your problem is and what you think was the solution or whatever at that moment and then you make an appointment with yourself that you're going to think about it the next day, like at 2 o'clock. It's amazing when your adrenaline's not pumping how you could care less about what's in that notebook, but you can keep telling yourself every time you're thinking about it, it's in the notebook and I don't have to worry about that. Or God is taking care of that. And as I told you, journaling is a very good thing. Worrying is like a rocking chair. It gives you a lot of movement. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't help you to get anywhere, does it? Matthew 6.25 Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you eat or what you drink, nor about your body or what you're going to put on. Isn't life more than food and body more than clothing? What is God saying? Do not be what? And what's another word for anxiety? Worry. Concerns. Here's another one from First Testimony 702. A contented mind. What does contented mean? Happy, calm, fulfilled, whatever. A contented mind, a cheerful spirit is health to the body and strength to the soul. Don't you feel good? I feel good. Your serotonin is just popping up there. Your neurotransmitters are fired up, and you feel good. You get up in the morning and go, wow, another day. (laughs) Watch out, devil, here I come, right? All right, nothing is so fruitful a cause of disease as is depression, gloominess, and sadness. What do you know about neurotransmitters? Anybody? Got some nurses in here? 
neurotransmitters. Those are endorphins. Um, endorphins are in your brain. Let me see. It's um, serotonin is one. Norepinephrine is another one. There's a third one. Dopamine. That's correct. Different parts of the brain. When you are low, depressed, your serotonin goes down, which makes you feel sad, and your norepinephrine goes up, which makes you feel anxious. So what is it they give you in an antidepressant? Is usually a serotonin medication that gets you back up. So, and your norepinephrine, it, it, when the serotonin is at the right level, it comes down. Your neurotransmitters fire up in your brain, and that's what sends you through. Did you know that just by smiling that you fire up your neurotransmitters with your serotonin? Did you know that? Christians need to be happy, right? How many of you are Christians? How many of you are happy? Well, tell your face. <laughs> and when you think that people out there who have those silly smiles and you want to wipe them off, just know that they're happier than you. They've got more endorphins going than you do. All right. I'm trying to work up to our exercise. I can't wait for our exercise. So now I have another exercise for you. This is a verbal one. Can you say, oh, no? I want it, I want it as stressed as you can be. Oh, no. Oh, no. Right. Oh, no. What am I going to do? Okay. All right. I'd like you to say, oh, no, every time I make one of these statements, and I want you to make sure that you think it's you, okay? You got a flat tire. Oh, no. You're getting the stomach flu. Oh, no. You have ants all over your tent or your RV. Oh, no. You just hurt yourself. Oh, no. Now I'd like to change that. Since God is in control and he's got your life, and he'll be with you always. I'd like you to say, oh, wow. Does that sound good? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Can you say that? Oh, wow. That's much better than oh, no, right? Oh, wow. I'm going to say it again, and I want to see if you can take the energy out of these statements. You got a flat tire. You're getting the stomach flu. You have ants all over your tent and your RV. You just hurt yourself. Did you notice how just saying it is no big deal? Very important for you to recognize that we need to not be in a panic about things, and when we are is when we're going to react the most. Make a decision that you're going to be grateful and positive and cheerful. You know how mothers soothe the baby when a baby's crying and they go, now, 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 it's going to be okay. Don't you think God wants to say to you, now, now, it's going to be okay. He wants to soothe us, and he has everything he's taken care of. Hebrews 13.6 says, so we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. Can you say that? The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Let's do that again. The Lord is my I will not fear. What can man do to me? Oh, wow. Oh, no, that wasn't in the verse. <laughs> but it was really fun. Okay. Paul prayed that we'd be strong in our trials and our tribulations. And when we give our problems to God, 
He's able to give us a vacation from it. When you're talking about your problems over and over and over, I have couples that come in, maybe they've had an adultery issue, and they talk about it over and over. I mean, nobody wants to come home from work and talk about it. Sometimes we just need to take a breather and not talk about something and then talk about it when we decide that we're going to talk about it. Not when the devil brings it up, but when it's going to be helpful. All right, let's see. I think that we can work on our exercise. Are you excited? Yay! We're going to have a good day, right? All right. Now, you um, could I get two people to help me with these papers? Yeah, they're all the same, even though they're different colors. Rick, can I bother you? Oh, no. No, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Can I bother you? Okay. It says, we all need to do self-examination according to these Bible verses. I have considered my way and have turned my steps to your statues. Let us examine our ways and test them. All of you have thinking problems because you are human and you live in this world. And you're not in heaven yet says, give careful thought, oh, says, there we go with the thought thing, I forgot the T there. Give careful thought to your ways, Haggai 1.5. When destructive core thoughts are rehearsed in our heads, they bring about a destructive, negative emotion that we struggle with and may even influence our actions. We need to stop them and replace them with godly ways of thinking. So here is an example, destructive thought. God does not love me. Now, don't look at your paper. Can you refute that to me? What's wrong with that statement? God does not love me. So one, I want one person to put their hand up and tell me what's wrong with that statement. Okay, go ahead. Miss. God died for me, so that's a lie. What else? Anything else? It's a lie. Okay, what else? Unbelief, yeah, absolutely. So, so correct that statement. God does not love me. God loves me how much? 100% how often? How many days? So we could say God loves me 100% all the time, every day. Would that be correct? Okay, now it's, that would be our... Our, um, our human take on it, we really need a verse to back that up. So somebody, a verse that refutes that God does not love me. Wait, yeah, that refutes that, that sentence, God does not love me. What's a verse that you could think of that, doesn't tell, that tells me different? What? We're, okay, the one about the sparrows that I'm more valuable than, he sees the sparrow fall and he loves us even more. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Anybody else? Not willing that anyone should perish. Thank heaven. Can you say, oh, wow. That's a really good one, isn't it? All right. So, and then you look here and it says, here are some destructive thoughts that you might have. And there's some possibilities. And we're not going to go to those yet. So I have another erroneous thought, and I would, I would like you to help me with this one. 
everybody must like me at all times. Could somebody tell me, let's, let's look at this in pieces. Everybody, what's wrong with that? Oh, everyone. Everyone. What's wrong with everyone? It's too broad. It's, um, it's black and white. What else? You, you can't know everyone in the world. See, it's an exaggeration, isn't it? <laughs> Nobody likes me. You ever heard your kids say that? It's not true, but it's in their world, but they think it's a, you know what, we make it bigger, so they have to learn from us that that's not true. Everybody must. What's wrong with the word must? It's forced. You must like me, right? What's wrong with that? It's a free country, isn't it? People don't have to like me, right? Everyone must like me. Do they have to like me? All the time. Not a reality statement. All right. Do you notice that we say these kind of statements to ourselves inside our heads, and we're not always aware of them? And I would like you, as of today, to start being very aware of what the devil is telling you and what you just passively accept because it comes to your brain and you just think that everything that is in your mind is true. So I would like you to do a refuting statement. Who could put a statement that is reality-based and true and make it out of this? Okay, go ahead. Everyone is not going to like me all the time. And that's and, and I like that because I want to make it positive and that's okay. What a relief, isn't it? Yeah. Some people like me. You know what? Some people just don't know me or they would like me. No. I'm <laughs> Actually, my husband had a church where there was a lot of stuff going on in the board meeting, and he came home and he'd say, man, that was really rough, and it got really loud, and people were really discouraging, and I'd go, so everybody doesn't like you all the time? And he, and he didn't say anything, but then I'd hear him talking to his head elder, and he goes, well, you know, everybody's not going to like me all the time. I thought, yeah, he really was listening, right? <laughs> I can exhibit likable behavior, but it is not my responsibility how they're going to respond to me, right? No, but I can be nice. I can, I can exhibit nice, you know, behavior. And it may be that they want you to drink, and that's why they don't like you, and so you've decided not to. And so if you think that you have to people please, you're in trouble, right? Right. But you can be nice about it. That's right. So everybody must like me all the time. And we said people don't have to like me all the time, and it's okay what is a Bible verse that can refute this for me so that I can put a new thought in my head? Whoa, we're not ready. How about Jesus loves me, this I know. That's a good one. Okay, Do you, so you get, the, you get the what we're doing? All right. Do you think that you could do this on your own, or would you like to do it as a group? If we're honest with ourselves when we look at that, do we like everyone all the time? Absolutely not. Well, we don't, so how can we expect it from others? Yeah. Okay, I'm trying to figure out, do we want to do it as, you guys are all kind of fun. Should we do it as a group? Okay, these aren't very, because I was going to give them to you to work on, but okay, I'll just do that. Is that all in favor, say aye? 
Okay, I'm opposing it. No, I'm kidding. I don't want to be that agreeable. I don't want to be a people pleaser. All right. Here's, here's the comments. Are you listening? What happened bad to me in the past is going to determine my future. So who would like to tell me what's wrong with the statement before we refute it and change it? Tell me what's wrong with it. What happened to me in the past that was bad will impact my future. Go ahead, Jen. Oh, you looked at the things that I handed out. Somebody actually read those. That's a good thing. Which, by the way, if you um, didn't get our handout on Wednesday, that they're right here. So that is mind, re mind reading, wait, fortune telling. Okay, that's a good one. All right, what else? What's wrong with this? Only God knows the future. And are we always a product of our past? Well, why would we even want to come to the Lord if there's nothing we can do about yesterday? If there's no hope. Amen. Yes. It's like trying to drive down the freeway and looking at the rearview mirror only. We don't know where we're going, right? So, you know, have you noticed how people will tell you about their past all the time? Like they're keeping it up there so everybody knows, like they write it down, you know, like abused or smacked or unloved or whatever. And it's like, you didn't even know, but they had to remind you about that. And I'm like, and if you said something to God, like you remember that I was abused in my past, no, that I, that I slapped my brother and God, and you asked for forgiveness, what would God say? What are you talking about, right? Because he already forgave us. So why would I think that that would determine my future? So change this statement to make it correct. That's correct. Let's make it even more positive. Can you think of something, way to say it? Just because it happened in the past doesn't mean it's going to happen in the future. What do we need to say? I can rise above my past. That's right. I'm forgiven, and I have a great future planned, right? I have a choice. I have a choice. Vicki Griffin and I, we have lunch together. She says, what was it? I said something negative. Can you imagine that? And she said, um, I, I'm a great I'm a great person. I, I, I have a, um, God loves me. I'm a great person. Oh, I have to think about it. And I'm on my way to even a better life every day because I'm making a, a good choice about where I'm going. And I'm like, yes, every day I want to commit to God, don't you? So, okay, that's great. That sounds pretty good. And the Bible verse was about a new creation. Anybody else came up with another one that I just don't want to pass? All right. You know what we need to do is have those Bible verses ready so we can insert them when we need them, right? All right. Uh, let's see. Things always go bad for me. Low is me. Oh, life is so sad. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. That's Igor, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Oh my, oh my. Is it quiet in here? Yes, that's, 
I sing that periodically at my house when nobody's helping me with the dishes or something. Yeah. Okay. What's wrong with that? Things always go bad for me. It's a lie because why? It's not true all the time, is it? Can things go bad for me? But does it all the time? That's an exaggeration. Do you notice how we exaggerate to make ourselves sound true? Nobody ever helps me. Nobody ever does anything for me. I just don't know why. What is that one that we used to say when we were little? I want to go eat some worms. Or, no. <laughs> so, what would be refuting that? Go ahead. Yes, I do feel sorry for myself. Tell me what I need to do to correct my think. What should my thought be instead? Well, all things work together for good. That's a great verse. So I need to say what? Oh, well, did you say? Oh, well? How about? Oh, pursue peace, right? This is going to pass, right? This too shall pass. Is that right? It makes sense, doesn't it? Oh, she thought that would solve it, huh? Okay. I'd rather avoid a problem than deal with it. Stereotyping. What gender would say this more often? Guys. Now, how, why would you think that? Women usually will deal with crisis faster than men, if that's, and that's a stereotype. Men have more problems acknowledging mistakes. I don't know. It's just something in our, our culture. But what happens when we um, do not work on conflicts? They get bigger like a snowball, and they accumulate. People usually come up with more reasons about why they're upset, and usually it gets stinkier and bigger, etc. and so we need to deal with it. So I'd rather avoid a problem than deal with it. They may feel that way, but what does God want us to do? Is there anything in the Bible that says about what we're supposed to do? Matthew 18, folks. If you have a problem with your brother, what are you supposed to do? Go to them and talk to them. So I may rather do this, but under God's help, I need to go work on an issue and get it reconciled. Would that be true? All right. There's another one other than Matthew 18, but go ahead. Don't let the oh, sun go down on your anger. Yeah. See, I was fortune-telling, wasn't I? Yeah. That's right. Don't let the sun go down. There are many verses on how important... Actually, it says that when you go into the temple, forgot where this is in the Old Testament, and you have a problem against your brother, leave your offering there. Did you notice that they want you to leave your offering? Now, isn't that just how it is? But you're supposed to go out and solve it, and then you're supposed to come back because you don't want to have any problems. I remember that there was a church that was struggling in our conference and um, there were many families in there that were related, and they would often um, vote together even though they weren't attending. They'd come to all the constituency meetings. And I remember the pastor's wife telling me that she felt when she walked into that church that 
she just felt like the hair on her head standing up, like she felt the devil was in that church because the people were so unkind to one another and so unloving, and and so they had no interest in the community. And um, and I think that as soon as we don't deal with things, that somehow the Lord withdraws some of his power from that church or whatever because he wants to have people loving people. We're supposed to be a hospital for sick people, are we not? And if we aren't doing our focus, which is to consider people in the community, then we actually are having some big problems in our churches. So deal with your problems as God has wanted you to do. How about this? These are kind of self-pity. I always make bad choices. I hear that from people all the time. <laughs> I shouldn't say all the time. Sometimes I hear that from people. I always make bad choices. I hear that from people. So if I, if I think that way, how am I going to feel? Discouraged and hopeless? What's my behavior? Could be reckless, could be doing... Yes, I was going to say sometimes when we say this, we do more of that bad behavior. So it's a real problem. And then we do this, woe is me, life is terrible, God hates me, I don't know why, I just keep living, right? Okay, so let's change that. I always make bad choices. What do I need to say instead? Sometimes I make bad choices when I forget to pray and consider what God wants me to do. Would that be appropriate? All right, that's great. I'm glad you're on it. All right, and a verse that would go along with that? I love that one. Say that. Do you, do you know the verse? Yeah, which reminds me, though I walk through the valley of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, right? And the Lord can help us to make better decisions. Hasty decisions are certainly some of the most unhelpful because we forgot to ask the Lord. Actually, when I was looking at the couples that were being ordained, I asked the pastors what was meant, I mean, what they felt about their wives in ministry. And one of the pastors, I think it was Elder Gonzalez, said that his wife, one of the things that he appreciates the most is that everything they do she wants to pray and come up with a decision about if God wants us to do that and that he felt that that was a, a huge help to him. And I'm just like, you know, if, if your spouse doesn't do it or your mother doesn't do it or your kids don't do it, make sure you do it, that you say, have we asked the Lord what he wants us to do? It's such an important thing. Trust in Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not, unto you, lean not onto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he, yes. There I go again. Of course, I always mess up. What's wrong with that? I don't always. Maybe I did it this time, but maybe not last time. And there, is there hope? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? What was that question? Of course I always mess up. How about this one? 
Life is miserable. What's wrong with that? Is life always miserable? Do you get the, the, do you get the understanding is that a lot of these things are like feeling sorry for ourselves and they're exaggerations, and we often think this way? So what is the truth? Life has many blessings despite the trials. Wouldn't that be true? I don't want to be a Pollyanna and just say, there's nothing wrong out there and everything is good. Despite the trials, there are blessings, are there not? Despite the roses that have thorns are these beautiful flowers. And a Bible verse is, oh, that's good. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I think I'll just stick with that one. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I am never treated the way I deserve to be treated. What's, what's wrong with that? Does everybody treat me bad? No, but I might think about it that, at that way at that moment. Do you ever hear, hear your children say that or your grandchildren? Everything's bad all the time. Like We need to recognize that when we exaggerate like that, we really make ourselves feel bad. And the truth is that I'm not always treated that way, but I might be treated you know, at that moment or in that situation. So to refute that statement is what? It's a lie, and I want to hear a statement that would be reality-based. Are you all getting tired? Is it time for donuts and cider or something? It feels cold like that right now. Okay. I've, I'm never treated the way I deserve to be treated. Would you, would you think that we all deserve to be treated well all the time? Do I even deserve to have shelter or, or water? Like, is it really? Isn't it a blessing of God? I don't deserve anything. Would that be true? Yeah. Be kind one to another. What are you going to say? Too blessed to be stressed, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I think of Carlo, right? People will come up to him and say, where's your arm? And he'll say, I, I, you know, I lost it when I was four and a half. Well, you need an arm. And he says, no, I really don't. I have been this way since I'm four and a half, and I don't think I need one. Well, when you get to heaven, the Lord's going to give you an arm. And he's like, well, what would I do with it? <laughs> and then people say, people say to him, well, you know, it's not fair that you don't have an arm. And he says, you know, my brothers and sisters, they didn't get any education because nobody, you know, they couldn't go to a handicap school like I could. And so I actually got a degree and they didn't get anything. And it was because of my arm. I mean, like he sees it as a blessing. We need to look at our disabilities and our problems as a blessing, don't we? How about this one? What? Amen. Don't you love that one? Can you? Well, I want to make sure everybody heard that. Would you read it again? Amen. That's wonderful. Thank you. Romans 8.18, correct? Okay. How about this? I can't cope well if things don't go my way. Are things going to go your way? Is it a choice every day how you're going to cope? If you had a bad day yesterday, can you actually have a good day today? If you wake up crabby on the wrong side of bed today, can you wake up better tomorrow? If you're feeling moody right now, could you put a song in your heart and change the way you're thinking? 
If you have some misfortune, can you still be thankful? Can you praise God even when you're upset? This is like the grand finale of the fireworks, right? They just keep going. Okay. Like, do I deserve anything any day? I'm just like, do I really deserve anything? Like, I may not cope, and that would be my choice, wouldn't it be? Because God has given me all these skills on how I'm going to cope. Isn't that true? So, if things don't go my way, I will not be in control all the time. And um, I can choose how I'm going to cope. I have skills, and I'm going to keep working on it. How many of you will look at this paper that you have, look on the back, and you'll think about a destructive thought that you hold close to you, and you'll do a correction thought, and you'll have a Bible verse that you'll, um, you know, that you will reinforce it with, and then you will try to keep it handy so that when you get into that mindset, which, by the way, our brains are like trails, and they lead to a certain spot. Have you ever had? Now, some of you are so young, you don't remember those vinyl records, right? Do you remember them? With the needle? And if there was a scratch, what happened? And it just goes... And guess what? Our brains have areas of our brain because we're so used to our patterns that it goes back to that same spot all the time. But when we think out of the box and do what God wants us to do, we actually change that. Let's say... A little, um, little girl is going to Granny's house through the woods, right? And she is um, always going, you know, in a square, and she goes all the way to Granny's house. And she likes to go that way because there's this groove in the path. Have you ever been on a bike trail and there's this groove in the path? And it's easy to go grand to Grandmother's house. But then she starts to think, you know, I want to go faster. I want a shortcut. So she thinks, I'm going to go on it angle to grandmother's house. I bet I could cut some time off. And that day, she doesn't really cut off time because her spokes and her, and her bike get all caught, and there's vines, and she has to remove logs, and she has to get through the weeds and everything. But after a while, she starts to go that way all the time. And what happens to that trail? It gets better, and the groove gets stronger, and she goes to grandmother's house in less time. But at any time, and what happens to the trail that she's no longer using? It starts, isn't that funny how it grows back? And they said that our brain is the same way. We could go back to that old trail at any time. As soon as we're off our vigilance about what's going on in our brain, we can go back to the old trail and we can redo it. But if we want to do a new way, God will help us blaze a trail. It's not always fun because you have to really think about it. How long does it take to do a good habit? Three, three weeks to six weeks, they say but you can go back there anytime. Remember that you have to keep on focusing where God is and where you are so that you can continue. So I would recommend highly that you exercise your thinking with this sheet and on the other side gave you some ideas about some of the destructive thoughts that you might have. They're towards the bottom. But when you're not paying attention, what does it say? Yes, we go back the old way. Satan really wants us to forget his lies. I'm going to give you some power thoughts. You might want to write these down. Anybody need a pen? Got pens. 
There are, what? Could use one? Anybody? Anybody more? Okay. Power thoughts are things that encourage you and, you know, there are, you can Google power thoughts and you can write your own, but here's some power thoughts that I think are really helpful. I can handle anything with God's help. Do you think that's a good power thought? Okay, I don't need any anyone to say, wow, Lori, that was a really good power thought. But I'm just like, because God is with me, that's the truth, isn't it? I can handle anything with God's help. So when I start to feel powerless, I need to get that in there, right? Get it in there. Okay. Remember we said, I don't feel loved or I feel insecure or whatever? God loves me unconditionally. Would that be true? Jesus loves me, this I know. Be bold. Admit it. You can say, you know, God, I know I don't feel this way, but a feeling is just a feeling, and the devil really wants to manipulate me, so I just want you to know that I give you my trust. I know you can take care of me, and I know that you, everything is going to work out because you're with me. I know that not everything is going to be perfect, and I may not like it, but, you know, you and me are in this together, and I know you can take care of me, and I know you love me unconditionally, so we're on this journey together, right? Here's another one. Make me tough skin so that I will not get offended easily. People are going to say things that irritate you. People are going to hurt you. People are going to say things on purpose and, and by accident. And I need God to help me have a tough skin because I'm representing him. I don't want to yell at people. I don't want to get mad. I don't want to be demeaning. I want to represent him fully and be stable. How many of you want to be stable? Okay. Number four, I will not fear. Whenever you get nervous or anxious or whatever, I will not fear. Why did we say that? That's correct. It's a Bible verse that tells us that. How about the next one? I trust you completely, God. I trust you completely, and I have no need to worry. These are just ones that I've come up with. You could come up with much better ones, I'm sure. I'm forgiven. Praise God, I'm forgiven, right? I'm forgiven. When any time you're, you're tempted to think that you're really bad, I'm forgiven. These are things that you need to put in your mind because these are, are taken from Bible verses that tell us that we are, you know, we're forgiven. We, can, we don't always have the whole Bible verse there. We just want to have this in our minds so that these will refute some of those negative things that we're thinking. God will meet my needs abundantly. Or maybe God meets my needs abundantly. I want to make it present. God meets my needs abundantly. Is there anything else that you can think of, one that I've missed that you think of? Go ahead. There's a couple of them in there, isn't there? I will prevail against you, so like, Lord, you will win the fight. That could be a power thought. You will win the fight. They will not prevail against me. He said he'll make you like a bronze wall. 
Like they will not get me. And don't they won't get me down. Okay. Here's another I'm gonna read you this verse. Oh, we're all we're over. I gotta one more thing. The true Christian does not allow any earthly consideration to come in between his soul and God. This is from Review and Herald, January 24, 1888. Your feelings might not be always of a joyous nature. Clouds would at times shadow the horizon of your experience, but the Christian's hope does not rest upon the sandy foundation of feeling. Those who act from principle will behold the glory of God beyond the shadows and rest upon the sure word of promise. They will not be detoured from honoring God, however dark it may seem. Adversity and trial will only give them an opportunity to show the sincerity of their faith and love. Let your faith be like Job's that you may declare, Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Lay hold on the promises of your heavenly Father and remember his former dealing with you and with his servants. For all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Would you please stand? And let's thank the Lord that he is good and that he wants to help us with our minds. Father, we just thank you that your ideal for our lives is so much higher than we even imagine. Dear Father, I pray for the battle that's going on in each person's mind today. However big or small, I just pray, Lord, that you would give them victory. Help them to find the stamina to keep focusing on you and the power that you want to give. Help them to refute the things that the devil pushes into their brains. I pray, Lord, that you will help us to move forward in our spiritual experience. Help us, Lord, as we um, deal with feelings to be aware of what we're thinking. And Lord, I pray that we will all be in heaven one day when all these struggles and battles are over and we will just enjoy ourselves and there will not be a devil out there that wants to keep on messing with us. We thank you, Lord, that you want to bring us to heaven and that you want us to be with you and your Father and your Son and your Holy Spirit. We just thank you, Lord, that we can be in heaven someday and that our trials will be over in your holy name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.